Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. Remember the golden rule. He who has the gold makes all the rules. <laughs> My name is Thomas. I'm here with Andrew, as always. I don't think we have any gold between us. No, no gold, unfortunately. But I have but some I, coffee. I do have some coffee as well. What kind of coffee are you drinking, Mike? Good stuff. Um, it is just a local, I think it's like truck stop something blend. Okay. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. I have been on the cold brew train. Actually, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I started drinking coffee again. Okay, so first of all, why is cold brew like a thing? I'm not really sure I... Uh, You're going to have to ask Matt for the details, but I think like the difference between cold brew and iced coffee is with iced coffee, they just literally brew it hot, and then you just dump some ice in there Mm -hmm. to cool it down. And with cold brew, it like sits overnight and just brews in some other way where it is cold and it just has like a different taste to it i guess it's not watered down (laughs) yeah it's like yeah it's somehow the all the flavor and caffeine is extracted from the beans and the the grounds overnight like slowly in cold water and apparently it's better i think it's better actually um starbucks actually offers some now well it's pretty good but i have found that my grocery store has like this chameleon cold brew it's like concentrate so you're supposed to mix it with milk or water or whatever. And you don't and because you're pretty, a crazed... Uh, I'm not crazy, though I, I did use it as a joke in one of my videos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like chugging the concentrated coffee. <laughs> but it's not too bad. So yeah, our catchphrase today comes from... Where's my tab? Uh, Randy. And that was via email, so we don't have a Twitter. But if you want to give us a catchphrase, we are on Twitter always, at Money Matters Man. You can tweet us catchphrases, whatever you want us to say. Movie quotes. You could have Andrew sing a song, maybe. Mm. Make Andrew sing like a money-centric version of the My Little Pony theme song. <laughs> Please do it for me. <laughs> or Facebook or email. Or the community if you're in it. So today, our guest on the show, his name is Ace Chapman. And we're going to talk with Ace about building and... Or not building, selling businesses and buying businesses, right? That is correct. We're going to be talking about buying businesses. And a part of buying businesses is also selling businesses. But I want to talk about this whole cold brew thing, man. I, I actually just had my first cold brew the other day. It was bulletproof. And it, it was pretty cool. Now, the way they heated it up was actually just putting it in the blender and running it until it got really hot. It was pretty interesting. That's, that's really interesting. interesting. So I guess I guess if they uh, heated it up with like fire or, or whatever, I mean fire, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it would like ruin or burn uh-huh. off some of the caffeine or something. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So really interesting. It's it's it, yeah. It's it's neat to try all those things. So now I've actually that was my last cup of coffee for a little while. I'm taking a week break, and, okay. but I'm I'm excited to do some more uh, cold brew. Yeah, I took a oh let's see what was it five six month break from coffee. Nice. I came back from Japan and I quit at cold turkey. And then I don't. I, I think the catalyst for starting again is I saw this cold brew stuff in the store and I was like, that sounds good. Okay, serious <laughs> question, Tom. Are you going to never drink coffee again your entire life? <laughs> and my brain went, I don't like that version of the world. So there's no point to keep abstaining. I'll just do yeah. it in moderation. So now it's like one cup a day and then back to tea or water. I love it. I love yeah. it. So Ace, um... You, uh, you just kind of like graduated high school and just were, were buying businesses, and then you became like a, a millionaire, right? 
Yeah, man. So this has been a great interview. It's great to be with you guys. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's all you got to do. It took you like a month or two to become a millionaire. Yeah, just two months, man. I don't understand why people want to take so long to become a millionaire. It's, uh, you know, it's like, dude, just do it in two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i graduated uh high school was on the normal path i was ex- i got into you know top 20 university was excited about that was planning i'd study political science planning on going to law school uh actually was curious and wanted to get into politics at some point now i'm just like what in the world <laughs> was i thinking and so uh fortunately was ha- that plan was completely derailed when uh, I was playing with a piece of software that was online, one of the first online stock market simulators, because I'm an old guy, we're just like 98, uh, you know, we're playing around with the internet. And so all this stuff was totally new. And the I, I, it was really annoying because the, the software was always crashing. And the people that owned the site were totally unresponsive. And so I reached out to them after my sophomore year Basically saying, hey, you know, I, I could come and, and help you guys and maybe work as an intern because uh, it's obvious that the that you guys need some help. <laughs> and it was a while before they wrote back. But when they did, they basically said, hey, we're we kind of moved on to another project. We really want to sell this. Would you want to buy it? And I was just uh, young and naive enough to say, hey, I'm a broke college kid. What do I have to lose? (laughs) I had no idea of how I was going to come up with the money. And that was the beginning of uh, this whole journey in the last 16 years now of buying and selling businesses. So how did you end up coming with the money to buy it? Or did you buy that one business? Mm -hmm. Okay. So they wrote back. I said yes. You know, I had $3,000 I'd saved up working from the summer before, and I just had no concept of like what it was going to be that it took to uh, take over the business. But they're like, well, the business is making about $60,000. We'd like to get $70,000 for it. Now, at that point, I had no idea what an amazing deal that was. Like, that's just an absolutely ridiculous idea. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So they. By the way, is this $60,000 per month or per year? Year. Annual. Okay annual so we'd like to get seventy thousand um and basically it's going to pay for itself in a year so you know i had no I, it, it might as well have been a million dollars i had three thousand dollars in <laughs> 70 so i'm like uh you know sitting there like man how could i do this i wonder if i can do this and um i, I went back to them and because i had no idea that this was an amazing deal uh i basically said hey i need y'all to finance like half of it so they uh, came back and agreed, which is <laughs> amazing what you can get when you're like 100% naive. And, and that happens today. So I help clients that want to, uh, that, that are going out and buying businesses. And all the time I have a client's like, you know, I think I'm going to ask them for this. And now I've been around, you become a little more jaded, you know how things work. And you're like, I'm like, man, that's pretty ridiculous. Let's go for it. But that's just not going to happen. And then the next <laughs> thing you know, it's like, yeah, we'll take it. I'm like, I'm crazy. Corrected again. <laughs> so, um, got back to them. They were willing to do the fifty percent. I went to a buddy of mine in in college who, you know, we had a similar mindset. He was willing to put up fifteen thousand, and then I made up the difference. Actually, unbeknownst to my parents by uh, sneaking out and getting some credit cards and praying that they didn't deliver the 
bank the, the statements to <laughs> my parents house. Like, this is the address. Do not ship it to the other address, please. They will kill me. Uh, <laughs> and so I made up the difference with some credit cards. Wow. And this is like the ultimate like foolhardy story here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, it was leveraged it was a pretty leveraged <laughs> deal uh but it ended up working out you know mm-hmm. we at that point it had ten thousand members we grew it to a quarter million members mainly you know and this is a strategy that your 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 listeners can uh use it's like I knew a lot about that business. So due diligence wasn't as difficult because I was a user. I've been a user for over a year. Uh, You know, I was really involved. I talked to other customers. I knew what the other customers liked and didn't like. So that was a big advantage coming into that business and, um, you know, kind of being a customer. Now, that said, that is not a requirement. You know, later years, as I became an expert, just like doing due diligence, you know, one of the businesses I've bought was a a, a, um, group of tanning salons. And if you go to the the site and see my picture, you'll know that I do not use tanning salons. (laughs) It's not a requirement that you're a customer, but that was a huge leg up for that very first deal. So we were able to grow that business. Now, it made a lot of money, did really well. We attracted investors. And then 2001 happened where it was the first dot-com bubble. And mm-hmm. that burst. And we, I turned down you know, seven-figure offers because things were going so great. We ended up getting you know, a, a one-tenth of the offers that we had had before. All that money went back to the investors. But two things happened as a result of that. Number one is, I mean, I basically gotten an MBA in doing my very first deal, going out and raising capital, running the business, hiring employees, all this stuff and growing a business. And I knew that this was this, you know, it's like uh, a fast track compared to a lot of other folks that, you know, they have to start from scratch. They've got to get it to break even, which can take forever. You know, you're pouring all this money into it the whole time and then it may not even work. And so that was a huge leg up. And then the other thing was it, it made me a little trigger happy when it came to selling businesses. And I think, you know, after that, as soon as somebody went to buy a business, it was like, OK, I'll sell. And so that allowed <laughs> me to gain a lot of experience on the buy side and the sell side over the last 16 years. So it sounds like you're going into businesses that are already, I guess, proven and that they have income. And then uh, I guess I'd wonder why are people selling them to you? I mean, if they're profitable and they have like good fundamentals, uh, where do you come in? It's so funny uh, because that is that's a huge question you get a lot, and you know it's really the same reason that a person sells their car or their house. They're just all a million different reasons. You get so it could very simply be you know I'm tired of this car. I see another one that I like better. I'm ready to sell it. Same thing with a business. So I was like, man, I've been in this business 10 years. I'm tired of it. You know, I want to take some of the money out and go do something that I'm really excited about. So I'm going to sell it. Uh, it could be really tough circumstances. You know, somebody decides, oh, we got to sell this house. We're getting divorced. It could be that they worked in the business together. We got to sell this this uh, business. You know, we're getting divorced or the one person owns it. They need some alimony payment. That kind of thing it could be death. It could be health. It could, you know, it's just it's an endless number of, of reasons. And a lot of people think that 
you know, just just like you can go out and buy a fixer upper house, or you can go out and buy a really great house. It's the same with businesses. You can go out and buy a really great business, which is our focus. And, and most of my clients, I encourage people. You know, we because there isn't a ton of competition. Uh, we can go out and buy really great businesses at deep discounts. Now, the reason when you look at real estate investors, they have to go out and get the fixer uppers nobody else really wants, and they're bidding mm-hmm. for that kind of thing because there's a ton of demand for the great houses. When it comes to uh, doing deals on businesses, there's just not a lot of demand because nobody's going out and using this strategy. 99.9% of the information about getting into business or becoming a business owner is all about starting from scratch. And so that leaves this whole world open to be able to go out and negotiate really creative deals and really is the main reason that we've been able to get things done like 100% financing and, and all that stuff. Where are you finding these companies? I mean, I'm imagining now they maybe come to you because you're well known, but I'm sure in the beginning, like I, I, there, in 98, there wasn't like a flippa.com for websites or for businesses. Like you, how do you find them? Yeah. So uh, there are a few different ways. And I was really excited. You know, six years ago, I had developed about eight different strategies to go out and create deal flow. I mean, at a very simple level, you could literally advertise so that when somebody searches, you know, some business, your ad comes up, I'll buy your business. But you can also get a little bit more creative and think about some of the sources that uh, I just talked about are some of the reasons that people might sell their business. So, you know, you take something like death or uh, divorce. So you could go out to those attorneys and say, hey, in some of these cases, whether you're a state attorney or diverse attorney or whatever, you've got to get rid of these assets. We are a resource where you can do that. Um, you can all, you know, we get a lot of referrals because private equity funds only do deals, um, you know, mainly above five million. Uh, and so, and we focus on deals that are under two million. So they get a lot of those leads coming in, and uh, we get those referrals. Now, you talk about Flippa. You know, there are other sites like Biz by Sell that represents twenty percent of the market. Uh, 80% of the deals that close and get sold are never advertised in any way. You've got to go out and find those deals. And you think about it, the average person, you know, you go into businesses every day. You know, when's the last time you went into a business and the business owner had a big sign up saying, hey, my business is for sale, you know, call me at this number if you want to buy it. Or you're in a restaurant and the owner came up to you and like, hey, you know, I'm selling the business, you know, just uh, let me know. And, you know, servers are telling you, yeah, the business for sale. That just <laughs> doesn't happen. It's not yeah. like selling a car or a house or anything else. So the very, you, what happens is you go into your favorite restaurant and you're like, where's Ralph, the owner? And you're like, nope, Ralph is gone. Bob is here. He's the new owner. It's like, how did this magic happen? You know, like, what, what, yeah. where did, how did that take place? And it's all behind closed doors. So the thing to remember is that this isn't, you know, everybody wants to turn every little thing into this magical thing. This isn't magic. It's not um, uh, that there's no work involved. You still have to do the work of Mm -hmm. going out and and finding these deals. The reason, and so it's, you know, in both cases, whether you want to start a business from scratch 
or you want to go out and buy a business on both sides of that coin, there's work involved. The reason I like this work better than starting from scratch is that you are it's a lot more dependable that you're going to actually make money. So you can do a bunch of work on the startup side and then get to the end of two years and realize, oh, this really isn't working. <laughs> you know, I've got to walk away. And not just that that can happen, that is the more likely thing to happen than that it turns into this big success. So yeah. You, it's still work when it comes to this. It just is a different kind of work. I call it the deal maker skill set. It's very different from the entrepreneur skill set. And because people have, there's just no conversation around it. People haven't been exposed to this concept of going out and and doing deals. So you had mentioned like uh, you know like a two million dollar deal or a five million dollar deal, and like I wish that I was even able to possibly afford a $2 million business. But I think for me, it's much more likely I could get into like the the $60,000, $70,000 business that you mm-hmm. had started with or, or even something smaller. Uh, where would you find things like that? Like, do they really exist? I mean, I think most people starting out, that's like a good starting point. Yeah, yeah. So um, I like places like um, Empire Flippers is, is really great. FEI International is really great uh, for those smaller deals. Getting a little bit bigger, quiet light brokerage is really good. Um, so those are some places to go out and find uh, some of those deals. Now, the other way, though, is uh, starting to, to network. So you think about where those people go. So now we have a network of about 150 people that are, are all over the world that are doing these deals. And we generate deal we generate deal flow in a lot of different ways. I mean, you think about where business owners of those kinds of businesses are going to be, and then you go there. So they might be at events. They might be at meetups. Um, so what we do is that, we have people that are all over that are going out and talking to those folks. And it, it's usually not the case that they come across a deal that is the exact fit for them. But because we have so many people in the network, they refer it back to the network. And then there are other people that are going out and doing that same work and they're referring deals. And so we can have this kind of exchange of uh, potential deals. Now, when it comes to, to generating deal flow, it, you know, like I said, it, it, it does require having uh, doing some work up front, but it also requires having more of a long term view. Um, I had some people who, who, you know, I contacted maybe four years ago about buying their business. I'd owned a business sim- similar to their, theirs. We sent out a one of the things we can do is send out letters. So we sent out a letter to them and. Uh, I totally forgotten about it. And so like four years later, they reached out to me and they're like, hey, you know, I, I had no idea who they were even were. And they're like, hey, we're ready to sell now. And I'm like, OK, like, who is this? Hmm. And it's like, well, uh, you know, I'm sitting here looking at your letter and I'm like, man, I haven't sent out letters in years. Like, <laughs> you know, we're doing different things now. Um, so I'm like, man, who? I have no idea that, you know, eventually it came to is like the, they literally had kept this letter for four years. Wow. Uh, and that ended up being a, a great deal that I referred to a client of mine. So, huh. the, 
It is about, you know, what, what we focus on is just a totally, it's a little bit of a different world where it's not just about doing a single deal. So whether you're, whether you really are, whether you feel like I'm going to buy a single deal or you feel like I'm going to be a deal maker or build this portfolio of businesses, you are best off treating it like you're going into the business of buying businesses. So what we try to do is, even if you're thinking you're going to buy a single deal, one of the best ways to grow your business or that business is through acquisitions, we want to put you into the business of buying businesses, not just set you up to go out and do a single deal. So how do you, so, all right, you had the the business that was $60,000 and you bought it for $70,000 and you got really lucky because they just undervalued what they had. But mm -hmm. oftentimes you'll find things on like Empire Flippers or whatever, and, and they'll uh, say how much revenue, right? And then they'll say some price, which almost seems arbitrary. How do you do your valuation? How do you know that it's worth X dollars or that Y dollars is too much? Well, isn't it like a multiplier of that monthly revenue? Yes. Okay. So it should be a multiplier of the monthly revenue. And if, the, if there isn't one, I mean, you're just going to back into that. Um, mm -hmm. I like to do deals at about two times earnings. Um, and so that basically on a monthly basis, you know, anywhere from 20 to 28 um, uh, times monthly income. And that's not gross. That's the net profit. Um, and the idea there, and, and, you know, I think that multiple, it, it is going up, you know, we're seeing more deals at two and a half and, and we're seeing a lot of deals get done at three. I helped a client who was selling their business, uh, on a deal they had done a while back at four, um, because it was a strategic buyer. Huh. And, and so, you know, that's going to continue to go up. But because, uh, you know, just Internet deals bring a lot of benefits over offline businesses to the table. And so far, it's really been based off the fact that offline deals sell at about two times earnings. So okay. two times earnings is, is, is usually kind of the, the standard that I like to buy at. So what do you have? Like, do you know specific factors that would cause a valuation to go up to 3x or 4x? Um, uh, there are a couple different things. It, a lot of it base, is based around this, the buyer. So uh, if you have a strategic buyer that can come in and let's say, you know, it's a, they, they're in business, actually we're working on a deal right now so that it has, uh, it's a software that's sold to a specific industry. And we're looking okay. at another deal where that guy has, you know, maybe a thousand customers who's my client. And so he already has this one business. It's got a thousand clients and um, it's selling a SaaS software to a specific industry. We had a lead come in. Actually, it was a referral from a private equity fund. This business is selling a complimentary software in the exact same industry. And had and is making great money and has about forty clients. So that you know, literally, it would not be outrageous for him to to double the value of that business, if not triple, quadruple. So he could pay instead of just two times earnings, easily pay two and a half because really it's worth four to him. 
uh, and what we do on even a basic level, that's kind of the, the uh, overarching view. But what we try to do is something called opportunistic due diligence. When we're looking at a deal, uh, we want to figure out how we can go in and make that deal worth four times within a couple months so that we're buying that business at two times earnings. Uh, and we're willing to buy because out of all the deals, and we, we look at a ton, a ton of deals, this has either a hidden asset, it has some unique opportunity, or we have somebody that it, even within the network that has a joint venture possibility where we can instantly double okay. the size of that business. And we're basically buying it at 50% value as opposed to... Yeah. It's cool that you mentioned the joint venture possibility. One of the kind of ideas that popped into my head was like, maybe you guys have opportunities where there are two players in a space and you have the opportunity to buy one. If you could buy both, then the value of both of them goes up exponentially because now you get the entire market essentially. Exactly. So just invest it with two clients uh, in a deal like that. And basically, you know, it's a very, very neat deal. Uh, obviously, I own a little bit of equity. They did a deal where they both exchanged some equity. And so uh, they're diversified, but both businesses are benefiting from each other. And the really great thing that I like about that, as opposed to even just a straight joint venture, is that they're fighting each other to help each other. And most joint ventures, because there's no equity exchanged uh, and they're not going out and kind of buying the businesses together, the person has, you know, the the most interest in getting value from the other person. So it's like promote my business, promote my business. This is my business. You know, I'm, I want to yeah. grow it as much as possible. You know, when you the, the the dynamic and you know, I see the emails going back and forth between these guys, and it's like, hey, let me send this out. Let me push you on this, or you know, I was working on this uh, for your email. If you to use it you know you can shoot that to your list and you know just just really going above and beyond so we do a lot of deals like that and what we also try to do is make sure that you know in those deals and in any deal we're connecting the right person with the right deal so we do some personality tests we do some skill set tests uh and that can be kind of that increase the value in and of itself and a, a quick example of that is uh you know we've we've done deals where we're buying a business from that has a, a tech personality type or, or operations personality type. And uh, we bring in somebody with a marketing personality type and they're able to explode that business. We actually just did a uh, testimonial with uh, one of my clients who's literally taking a business from $250,000 business to $1.2 million business just because her personality is different mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and how she's running that business. So, hey, so it's it sounds like you would not buy anything unless you had a plan, which I think is awesome because I think a lot of people maybe buy on like the high of, of <laughs> the dream of just being rich. Um, but I, I want to like maybe uh, peel back the curtain a little bit because I know that your skill is not just buying uh, a cheap business. Because I, I, that's probably the easy part. I imagine the hard part is taking the business, making it really profitable, and either keeping it or then selling it. So, like, what kind of things do you do, like, when you go in to to build these businesses? You know, and uh, there's so many examples 
But one of the things that I love in a business is just having a, a database of people. One of my one of my favorite uh, stories is on a deal where uh, I walk into the business. Really, it, it actually this is so going back to what I mentioned earlier. I bought these this group of tanning salons, and one of the main reasons, like I was not interested. You know, there was a pretty desperate situation, so I love starting with a motivated seller. Uh, they had to move to Europe because of some things and had to sell these things, and. And so I got them. I was getting them at a really great discount, but like I said, I just knew nothing about that business, so I wasn't that interested. And then I get into the deal, and you know, she's talking about her customers and da da da. And I log into their database. It's like, okay, it says you got fourteen thousand six hundred people in here. Um, like, how often do you contact them? And she's like, oh, we don't really do that. And I was like, oh, is it just like names or or what's in here? And she's like, no, we got their email address, we have their their address, and we got their phone number. And it's like, okay, so like, when was the last time that you did it? And she was like, we don't really, we don't do that. Like, I don't want to disturb them. And I was like, okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, uh, basically tripled that business within about six months, uh, took over a couple, uh, did a roll up uh, in that industry, and then uh, ended up selling. Okay. So... I had a question, and th this might relate more to internet businesses, but possibly brick and mortar as well. Um, and just to preface this, like, I have no desire to sell my business now. I don't think I ever will again. But when I was a student getting near graduation, all these people were telling me, oh, Tom, you're going to graduate and you're going to no longer be like qualified to write about college stuff because you will be an old <laughs> man. And so part of me was like, well, do I need to sell my business then? Uh, the problem is like I am the figurehead for my business. Like my face is all over it. And there's a lot of businesses like that where it's like one dude or one girl and they are like the embodiment of that business. So what happens when that person wants to sell, but their business is like inextricably linked with their personality? Mm, that's a great, great question. Um, and, you know, we did a deal on a business in the survival space that was like that. Uh, and we actually have done one in the beauty space that's like that. Uh, mm. You have a couple options. Number one is you can just kind of leak, use that person and, and have them uh, almost act as a, a ghostwriter, but you know, they, they're, you're still using their name. You can start to transition it over time. So you can just, you can pay them to either actually write the stuff and do it or you can get their permission to use their name during a transition period um and and that helps out a lot and actually with that that survival deal one of the interesting things was uh that buyer really turned up the dial with the new name in the amount that he was sending out and built a really great relationship uh with in that business and so that business was selling a particular uh and and you know actually made more money in in the process so they were, it was selling a particular survival product uh we all know that you know if you're into survival and you want to survive you don't want to end up in the bunker and realize like, dang, I should have brought that product. I'm not going to survive because I didn't buy it. And mm -hmm. so they, it, what this guy did is just start selling a lot different, a lot of different products. And he, he wrote these amazing emails, very high quality content, but it also promoted 
uh, a product. And so, you know, that business was making about 80,000 when we did the deal. He took it to 195 on an annual basis just by writing more, introducing this new guy who, um, you know, basically was was kind of, you know, transitioning the old owner out and, you know, introducing a lot more product and, and made money in the process. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that sounds like a good way to do it. I've seen certain businesses get sold and they'll just like keep the face, the old person on there. But then like, I don't know, just the transition yeah. didn't seem to be done very well. Yeah. You gotta, suppose, you gotta have a plan for that transition. Yeah. I suppose the ones that are done well, you wouldn't really notice that it was exactly. exactly. Going wrong. So I, I would like to think that for those people, it's like, Oh man, you know, they just, you have to build a relate. They built a relationship with that first guy. And the mm -hmm. only way you're going to come in and be able to take over with a, with a new person is to build a relationship. Yeah. And almost just almost position yourself as like the apprentice or mm -hmm. in the assistant of the old person. And then eventually you take it over. Yeah. I'm trying to think of examples of like businesses that have done that before. I'm not sure. Can you think of any, Andrew? Mm. I know like Ray William Johnson stepped away from his channel for a while and there was a new host for like six months or so, but I think he's like back now. So I don't know if that one counts. <laughs> I know like simple, the simple dollar and get rich slowly, or I think it was get oh, rich slowly. So the that. guy sold it for a couple of million. Then, got hired back by the company that bought him to do it and now it's like worth how many times more but he's mm -hmm. an employee <laughs> so that, that kind of sucks actually one just popped into my mind you remember man versus debt yeah yeah i think adam's face is still at the top of the site but it's like all man versus debt team members who write now huh. and adam himself works for nerd fitness now so i don't really? think he does it anymore yeah so Ace, when you go into the business, um, or, or at least when you went into the business uh, solo, or ju just you, or maybe just you and your partner, what kind of things did you find yourself doing day to day? I mean, were you like, right, you know, for online businesses, writing and creating stuff? Were you kind of overseeing the books and hiring people? Yeah, so I am, because I buy a lot of businesses. Uh, for me personally, I, I don't do a deal on the business where I have to be involved in the, in the day to day. Uh, you know, I, I was on one of these interviews one time and he was talking about, so for these offline businesses, like how often do you find yourself at the register? And that was when I really the first time it ever uh, occurred to me that not only was I not working at the register and didn't know how to use the register at any of the businesses that I owned at that point, I'd never known how to use a register in any business I've ever owned. So you have to do the deal based on your goals. Now, I have plenty of people that are going into businesses and really growing those businesses. And there's an upside and downside to not being as, as involved and in, into the business. And you have to make this decision of, am I going to grow you know, my little mini empire through acquisitions, or am I going going to grow my empire in this business by going into this business and and really ramping it up and so you can go and you can buy that single deal and be in that business every day and i had a recent example that took me a few weeks to get over you know i, I sold a business uh, uh, a few years ago and you know i was making about six hundred thousand. i was 
you know, just felt like, hey, there's not much more that this business can do. It's grossing about 600. I was pulling out about 100. Great business. You know, I sold it and uh, the owners let me keep a little bit of equity. They came back a little while later and said, hey, we want to buy this equity back. And that was pretty quick. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, sell it to you. So they bought that equity back. So I ran into the guy earlier this year and I'm like, Hey, how's the business doing? And he's like, well, you know, it's been doing pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, what was revenue last year? It's like 1.3. Wow. I was like 1.3 in that business. Like, how did y'all do, you know, like it's just, <laughs> but he's in that business every day. And so, yeah. you know, it was painful because like, Oh, I got so good. have gotten there and done the same thing. But at the end of the day, I am a lot happier, uh, doing deals. You know, I quite honestly, I could make the same amount going out and spending that time. If not a lot, lot more just going out, doing more acquisitions and, and that kind of thing. So it's not that it's like this easy decision, but you do have to make that decision and then work on your skill set accordingly. So I'm spending my time, you know, working on deal flow, coming up with these ideas to get the very best deals coming in, you know, doing due diligence, making sure that we don't get into any deals that are going to cause us to have a drawdown, Uh, doing valuations and making sure the deals are the right deals, Uh, coming up with offer structures and LOIs and then, you know, putting together financing, raising capital. So I'm not as concerned about like, what are the latest Facebook marketing strategies or you know yeah. how am i going to get into periscope and take over and you know <laughs> uh instagram i gotta be the instagram king too and i gotta be the email king and so all i'm not as <laughs> not as uh focused on that stuff yeah i'm i'm the same way it's all opportunity cost mm. like yeah and there's like a million aspects in my business that i could look at and be like oh if i had just been focusing on that for the past two years blah 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 but you got to pick what you want to do i suppose and i guess that's why a lot of people sell their businesses like it could they could grow it but they don't want to or their skill set is just not uh fit for it exactly exactly so anyone can do this right anyone can just come in buy a business and like turn into like 3x profits right (laughs) <laughs> you know, the funny thing is the the biggest key to being able to do this stuff is expectation. I love, you know, you a second ago uh, talking about like, hey, you know, a $2 million business, that's not where I'm at right now. I'd be looking at maybe a $50,000 business and, and trying to get that size deal. And, and the awesome thing is that uh, as long as you're really realistic and tune and in tune with the size deal type of deal, you know your skill set and and all of that. Anybody can do this stuff, and anybody with any financial background. I mean, we've helped people that were coming out of bankruptcy and all this stuff. And you know, you find a motivated seller. We've gotten deals that are 100% seller financing, but it may be a deal where you got to get in, you got to hustle, roll up your sleeves, that kind of thing. The mm-hmm. biggest thing is about being realistic about where you are, what your where you are financially, what your skill sets are, what personal personality type are you as opposed to just going out and say oh i'm gonna be this mega deal maker and super mega billionaire and do my first deal at two million and i do get those phone calls and i politely tell them this probably isn't the program for (laughs) yeah cool so what about people who i mean we talked about like finding these deals for people who might want to buy them uh what about people who want to sell yeah. Like I would imagine fewer people in our audience like have a business they want to sell. 
Okay. I still feel like we should cover at least a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah. So a few things on the sales side. Um, and this is valuable for, for some of your listeners, too, that may want to use a strategy that I call consulting for equity. And in a lot of cases, I have clients, actually, I have a young client just finished college. He's based out of Israel and uh, he's done three of these no money down uh, consulting for equity deals uh, this year. And, you know, it's, it's, it's this really great thing. You know, a young guy in the early 20s been able to go out and get some equity in, in some businesses and not put up cash up front, start to get some cash flow and eventually sell those businesses for some lump sums. So this is can still be valuable. Uh, so when we when when you're a seller of a business, the biggest thing you want to to spend time doing is looking at your business from the perspective of a potential buyers. There are a lot of these baby boomers out there that are starting to try to sell their business. And there are a lot of other folks that just like, they have a skill set. You know, some of the guys that uh, my client in Israel found were folks that had a skill set. They either found a product or whatever, they're making money from it, but they don't want to spend, they want to sell. They don't want to spend time uh, putting together as a strategy and preparing their business for sale. Uh, one of the first things is actually something we talked about, making sure that you remove yourself as much as possible from the business. So that could be that you are the name and face of the business and you want to try to transition out of that. It could just be that you, everybody comes to you for everything in the business and you need to start creating some systems and, and putting things in place where, uh, you know, the employees are able to better run the business with the, needing you as little as possible. Uh, number two would be creating a standard operating procedure. There's amazing no, a number of businesses that we buy and do deals on that don't have these. But it can be really comforting for a potential buyer. When you can go to a, a buyer and sit across from them, pull out this big folder of all the information about your business and ask that buyer, what are your biggest concerns about buying this business? And, you know, they say, well, one of my concerns is that the manager may leave. You know, I'd be really nervous if they left. I don't know what I would do. You know, I'd be stuck trying to do everything. It's like, well, that's a great concern. Here is where in the standard operating procedure, it tells you what to do. You know, step okay. one, this is where we put the ads. You know, step two, this is the training that you would do or what you would look for in the candidate. You know, you go to this section, here's a training. Here's who would take over in place of them. They know what to do, you know, when they're gone and that kind of thing. And, you know, next thing might be marketing and you could tell them, hey, here's all the information on marketing, things we've tried, things that work, you know, uh, everything that you need to be able to run that side of the business. Uh, so those are a couple things that, that you can do. We have a, a very extensive list of when we're putting together a deal to sell everything that we want to do in that business to make sure that we are the number one deal uh, that when that buyer comes to look at our business, they're like, man, this is like getting a franchise and an existing business and all the employees and everything I need. Just, uh, you know, walk in the door and start making money. That's we want to make that that buyer as comfortable possible. And when you as a kind of consultant go out and help other businesses do that and get a lot more for their business business than they would otherwise get, that becomes a valuable thing that that is that uh, you can use this, what I call that deal maker skill set. You can go out and, and use it for that as well. Awesome. So if people want to start learning more about this on either side of the equation, do you like write anywhere, or create any content that people can go like read or check out or connect with you? 
Yeah, I'm on YouTube. Um, so yeah, I think mainly because I'm like a college dropout, I just don't like writing a bunch. So I was like, <laughs> get on video, <laughs> I get on video and I can talk on video. So, um, people, they, I've got a YouTube channel. They can go and search Ace Chapman. You know, I'm on the Twitters and the Instagrams and you, know, you can search Ace Chapman there. But if people have like a specific question, they can feel free to email me, um, and they can email ace at acechapman.com or visit our website i do have a little bit of a blog there with some stuff on it uh and that's acechapman.com cool well ace thanks so much for coming on the show thank you guys for having me yeah all right guys if you have questions you can email ace or if you have other money questions listen money matters at gmail.com is our email address you can also ask questions in our community which you can find by going to listenmoneymatters.com slash join got a bunch of really passionate people in there and uh, we'd love to have you join as well also, you can subscribe and get involved by leaving a rating and review on iTunes if you want to support the show. And our favorite tools and money management resources are always at listenmoneymatters.com slash, re- or slash toolbox. Sorry. Resources is my URL. <laughs> or collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. Yeah, you can find lots of, you can find like like three money management resources there. But if you want more, <laughs> listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you should probably go. And that's all we got. So unless you have any burning extra things to say andrew no (laughs) thanks for hanging out with us we'll see you guys in the next episode later later dude please tell your friends about this show